Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Facebook friends, family, and followers. My name is Tyler Fowler. I'm your host, and we are back on the Complete Sinner's Guide. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode. I am super excited to be back. With me, I've got my co-host, Noah J. Chalaya. What is going on, brother? How you been? Hey, good. It's, uh, it's good to finally talk to you again. Oh, man, it's been forever, right? Like, I took a... How long has it been since we've done this? Probably two months, three yeah, months, maybe? I, yeah, I think we start stopped right at the beginning of the year, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, because I had some things going on. I've got a new baby girl now. You do? Kelsey Marie. I do, I do. Kelsey Marie Elizabeth, baby. Like, I love... Oh, my goodness. She's already a month and a half old. So, I, and, I have to ask, how was having, yes. a ba- well, how was having a baby through COVID? That had to have been a little rough. Okay, so it was very, very intense, right? So whenever we went to the hospital, I was the only one allowed in the room with Lacey, right? Now, the problem is we had to stay in the room, okay? So normally how they have, like, you know, pregnant ladies walking around in the halls and stuff like that, trying to induce labor. No, no, no. We had to pace back and forth in the room oh, right? like and an it's 8 a, by 10 kind of hospital room kind of a thing like so it was kind of bigger than that right i would say I, I mean i don't know exactly how big it was but it was a good you know living room sized i mean it, it, it was it was a delivery room right hmm. so but it, it was pretty big but the point is we were confined we couldn't go out to eat like well i couldn't go get anything to eat if i left the hospital that was it done done in game Wow. I had to stay out, right? So I'm sitting here. Lacey, thank God, she was only in labor for 13 hours, right? Uh-huh. And we, I mean, I say that, you know, 13 hours, like, oh, wow, you know, that, that's a long that's time. That's no big but deal no. for us guys. Yeah, we're fine. No. With it. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, but no, I'm, I'm so blessed to have her. I mean, she is definitely in the Rona generation now, right? That's what I'm going to call it, Gen Rona. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, right <laughs> i mean we're out of the alphabet right we've had gen z so now what is she yeah so we may, may as well gen go rona. to gen rona yeah i'm down with that yeah. all right let's do it let's start a trend right now but anyway so yeah it's ah dude she's amazing like i love her to death i mean i just i'll put it like this my and josh davidson we've had him on the show before he told me it perfectly. He said, your child is going to be your best theology lesson. Yeah, right. And dude, she has taught me so much about the love of God, the love of, and just, and which is what we're going to be talking about today, right? The love of God and what he has done for us, right? I mean, the Bible says that we are basically dirt. I mean, that's what we was created from. And even in, in many places, you know, the Bible says, God, you know, what is man that you make him anything, right? And just to see the love in my daughter's, that unconditional love in my daughter's eyes that she has, that she is fully dependent, like her life is fully dependent upon me and my wife in order to even survive, right? And we're going to tie all of this into the episode today, just where and how does love really work? And we see that in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, so that's, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, the show has changed a little bit. So we're back. We're going to be doing this on a routine basis every week. Mm-hmm. You can expect the show to be published on Tuesday morning. Um, so we're going to record on Monday and, and it'll be published. It'll go out on Tuesday. Um, but right. we're going to change the format of the show a little bit. We started out... Um, basically exploring the Bible. And we're still going to do that. We're just going to do it in a slightly more structured and slightly different manner. And so we're going to start um, by opening up each episode with a verse of the day. So I think you have that for us today, Tyler. I do have that verse. And we're going to be going in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verses 1 through 5. Um, Those listening, if you want to take your Bibles and turn to it, I'm reading out of the New American Standard uh, Version. But it says this, it says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the Twelve. And again, that's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. I want to take a second to read actually what Calvin wrote on this subject, or on this verse. Um, He says that Christ died. See now more clearly where Paul received 
it or or the gospel for he quotes the scriptures in quotations in proof in the first place he makes mention of the death of Christ nay also of his burial that we may infer that as he was like us in these things our human nature he is also so in his resurrection he has therefore died with us that we may rise with him in his burial too the reality of the death in which he has taken part with us is made more clearly apparent. Now there are many passages of Scripture in which Christ's death and resurrection are predicted, but nowhere more plainly, and double-check double these, double-check these verses, uh, people, and, and just see how clear this, this goes together. The verses are Isaiah 53, uh, or chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 53, Daniel 9, 26 and Psalm 22. He said, Calvin continues, he says, for our sins, that is, that by taking our curse upon him, we might redeem us from it. Now, most of you are like, wonder, mm, what's this curse we're talking about? We're going to get into that here in just a little bit. But let me continue with Calvin. He says, for what else was Christ's death but a sacrifice for expiating or atoning for our sins? What but a satisfactory penalty? by which we might be reconciled to God. What but the condemnation of one for the purpose of obtaining forgiveness for us? He speaks also in the same manner in Romans 4.25. But in that passage, on the other hand, he ascribes it also to the resurrection as its effect, that it confers righteousness upon us. For as sin was done away with through the death of Christ. That's so important. That's so awesome. It's, it's done away with Christ literally took our place on the cross. Calvin continues, So righteousness is procured through his resurrection. This distinction must be carefully observed, that we may know what we must look for from the death of Christ and what from his resurrection. When, however, the scripture in other places makes mention only of his death, let us understand that in those cases his resurrection is included in his death, but when they are mentioned separately, the commencement of our salvation is, as we see in the one, and the consummation of it in the other, namely the resurrection. So basically what Calvin is getting at is when we look at the death, we cannot separate the death of Christ from his resurrection because that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what brings this whole thing that we call Christianity together. Our faith, our hope as a Christian is not in doctrine. It's not in man-made tradition. It's in a person, namely a historical figure that walked this, the, the, the face of this earth 2,000 years ago, namely Jesus of Nazareth, right? And so what the, where, our, where, where Christianity is different is our faith is in a person rather than a teaching. Does, it, does that make sense, Noah? Yeah, very much so. So anyway, so yes, so when we talk about, you know, forgiveness and all of these different things, we have to understand as humans our condition before God as born, you know, born sinners, mm -hmm. and we have to understand that God could have washed his hands, wiped him clean, done, nope, I I'm over it. I'm going to con justly condemn you. And here's the scary thing, Noah, he still could have done that and remained just and righteous. It wouldn't have done anything to God because we've got to look at God's nature. God is love. He is just. He is a wrathful God, but he's also a righteous God as well. And again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that everyone believing in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so it's, it's a beautiful story that we're going to dig into today. And not only is it just a story that happened 2,000 years ago, it's practical for us today, especially in lieu of COVID, especially in lieu of these mm. riots that are happening, especially in lieu of all the problems in the world. Jesus Christ is the answer. So let's talk about that uh, just, uh, just a little bit. You know, we, one of the things that that prompted us to re-kick off the show, I mean, it was always kind of the, the plan to come back to it at some point. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but you know, really one of the things is you and I uh, spent a, have spent a lot of time in the past few weeks just 
just talking about the Bible, just calling each other and having really in-depth conversations. And what came out of this is the fact that the world is in a really hurtful place right now. And people are hurt and professionals are hurt. And we have lost uh, or or at least drastically misguided our ability to love our fellow human beings. And that's why you're seeing rioting and that's why you're seeing um, panic and fear and, and those kinds of things. And so we are going to dedicate this episode to trying to dismiss those because I will challenge you. If you're not a believer and you listen to this show, we invite you to listen along for the ride. We don't expect you to have a, a, a relationship with Jesus. We don't care if you believe that he is the son of God or if you just think that he was a nice guy that walked the earth. Um, you're invited along for the ride. But what I would tell you, if you are a person that has a walk with Jesus, then what you have to understand or what you have to be honest with yourself, you don't have to tell us, but you have to ask yourself this question. Honestly, if you really believe what you claim you believe, then would you would you still go through life making the same choices you're making? Um, people are what we're seeing in society is people making choices and it seems evident to me that those people making those choices uh, don't have a close walk with God, because if they do, you would think that they wouldn't make those choices that they're making, um, burning buildings and, and hurting other people, um, essentially looking for revenge. And that's, we don't find that in the Bible. In fact, the Bible specifically calls out people who seek revenge and says that revenge is for God alone and that it's better to be a kind spirit than to be a, um, you know, a robust and, and, and successful warrior. Sure. Right. Yeah. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And we're called as Christian. And, and just, just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying to the unbeliever, I would, yes, you are more, I don't care whether you're an atheist, a Muslim, a, a Buddhist, is it what, whatever, each and every person know this. One, you're loved, period, end of subject. We love you, even if we don't know you, right? That's just who we are. And if you have any questions, please feel free to drop me a line on Complete Sinners Guide dot uh, or Complete Sinners Guide at gmail dot com. Actually, Go let's ahead. let's do this. Yeah. Let's um let's give out the new email. So we have a new email okay. address for the show. The new email is feedback at Complete Sinners Guide dot com. And actually, this is a great time to go into our feedback from the show. Our feedback comes in from Ken this week, and Ken writes in to ask, Hey guys, do you have a particular Bible translation that you use for reading? One that you use for casual reading? One that you use for studying? Can they be the same? What's the most accurate? What do you look for in a Bible translation? Thanks. Um, so I guess I'll wow. we'll start with you, Tyler. What do you use for your for your Bible research? I guess let's break it up into two categories. Let's okay. call one category daily reading, just casual. I'm just uh, I want to just enrich myself and learn about the Word of God, and then let's uh, separate a separate translation for um, uh, doctrine study. Because you know when we're talking about sure. doctrine, when we're going to try to compare every little comma and every little word, and then extrapolate on that, it's important that we have a very accurate translation. Right, absolutely. No, so I, it's funny that the question was what Bible translation. I used probably seven different Bible translations um, in my, just in casual reading and study. My main thing is since I have a daughter now, I haven't been able to really sit down and read like I would like to. So what I've done is got on audible.com and got me a subscription on there, and they actually have different translations, mm. uh, NIV, NASB, King James Version. Um, they have these in audiobook form. So my job, I'm blessed that I can have headphones and listen to the Bible at work. So whenever I listen to the Bible, I'm normally getting, I'm normally reading the NIV, or, and this is going to sound weird maybe to some of my listeners, but the New Living Translation. Yes. And here's why I say that. I like a version that really, how do I describe it? That flows. Yeah. Right? And Tells like a story and, rather, than a, uh, rather than a historical document. Exactly. Exactly. Because I'm listening for not just entertainment, but I would be lying if I said that there was no entertainment there. You know, but something and here's another Let's, cool thing. I, I just want to stop. I just want to stop and just point yeah. this out. There's nothing wrong with being entertained from the Bible. In fact, that's of the, course not. Well, and so <laughs> I think what we get to a lot of times is people here, especially the New Living Translation. I see that get, it gets a bad rap on online a lot. Yeah. They go, "Oh, it's a kids' translation." You know what? Yeah. It tells a really good story. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so and no, it, no, go ahead. There's nothing wrong with uh, with with obtaining uh, entertainment from the Bible. It's just if you right. when you go to when you go to formulate uh, a theological point, then you obviously want to use. You definitely do not want to be using something like the NLT. Right. You want to get something that is close as possible to the original language, right? In the New Testament, it's Greek, Koine Greek. And we want to get, if you're studying the Bible for doctrinal purposes, which obviously, yes, we definitely recommend, but to just sit back and read the Bible and say, I'm going to study, 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 and never just read it for casual, I think is a bad thing. And here's why. I was stuck in that rut for a while, right? Just studying. And and here's what I was doing. I was trying, and now I've, I've kind of changed up my views a little bit since we last talked, but whenever I was reading the Bible before, be, before we ended the first program, I was trying to confirm Calvinism out of the Bible, right? I wasn't reading the Bible to see what it had to say. I was reading it to confirm what Calvinists say, and that's where I'm a little bit different now. So to whenever I study the Bible now, I use one version, and it's the NET, the New English Translation. And the reason I like this version so much is because it's got about 60,000 different translators' notes on textual criticism and basically study uh, and, and theological aspects. So the NET is what I use for my main study. Um, and I also have it in—it's it, kind of like a parallel Bible. On one side, it has the NET. On the other side, it has the Greek— um, the uh, 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 the Nestle Allen 27th edition of the Greek New Testament, on, and they're right there page by page. So I love that Bible for my study. What about you, Noah? What do you, what do you use? So I break it, uh, I break it down into, into a couple different categories. So you, when you're looking at accurate, what defines accurate, right? Because there are Bibles that are the oldest translation of English that we have. Um, the the go-to standard for a very close, accurate translation would be like the King James Version. What you have to understand about how they came up with Bible versions is um, there were different ways to translate. You can do a literal, I'm just translating word by word, and then, of course, you have to make the transition in your mind from the way that somebody spoke in culture back then, not to mention there was a language barrier um, because it's, it was written in a different language and obviously being translated. Uh, and and then today, uh, the way that we speak and, and formulate words together, and what you'll find is that you know Jesus is defined as a is and 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 described as a kind and caring and gentle person, but the language and the way the vernacular and the phraseology that was used back then sometimes um, can lead a person if you're not underst- if you don't understand Jewish culture and understand what it was like for first century Christians, the the language that you that you read may you know may be difficult or or difficult to understand or difficult to interpret, and so that's where Bibles like the New Living Translation. I would, um, I'm trying to think of other ones. The Message would probably be included in there. These are these are Bible translations that take uh, essentially the the general idea or the general story, and then they tell it in in concepts and ideas rather than word for word. So it's great for getting a better understanding of of how something came alive. It would it reads more like a sermon um than a than a historical document. You have to remember, was it Luke that was a historian? Yeah. So, you know, he He was a historian and a doctor. So he was he was he was a disciple, but he was also documenting from the standpoint of of documenting history. Um, and so I will use the NASB or the New American Standard um, Bible, which is the most literal translation that we have on the oldest possible manuscripts. Now, that introduces some question because there are the, the manuscripts that, for example, some of the newer uh, Bibles that were translated, I believe the King James Version is included in this, but you should double check me on that. Uh, have passages in there that were not in the original manuscripts. And of course, at the time that the King James Bible was written, they didn't know that older manuscripts existed. And so um, the the, uh, system for delineating that is they'll usually put it in brackets. And that means that this particular verse was not found in the oldest possible copy of the manuscript, but it was added in later for clarity. Um, do you want to accept that or not? And and you can make up the decision as uh, in your in your own mind's eye if you think that that should be included or not. 
Um, right. and, and, and so, so yeah, so NASB for, for anytime I'm doing NASB or KJV, if I'm doing doctrinal, I'm trying to decide from a theological standpoint, what I think, um, and then ESV or the new living translation, if I'm just looking to listen to the Bible or hear it, I also have, like you, I have the NLT in audiobook format as well as, um, I also have an app for my phone called Bible or uh, olive tree Bible reader. And that allows me to uh, to do bookmarks and and so on and so forth. I also have some software called Zyphos that I run on my on my on my computer, which allows me to pull up multiple translations, look at them side by side. It also gives you access to the writings of Martin Luther and some older, uh, nice. you know, the Apocrypha and some some older writings sure. and stuff that you can you can reference. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I uh, I actually use StudyLight.org. We're getting out a bunch of free advertisements today. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's fine. No, uh, studylight.org. I recommend that to anybody who's wanting to pursue a deeper study of the Bible. Um, and, and yeah, like Noah said, I, I kind of want to address one thing real quick. Some some might freak out and say, what do you mean? The, they, they have passages that are in the Bible that's not there in the original. What do you mean by that? Well, for example, the woman committed or the woman caught in adultery is a good example of this. Uh, and what is what has happened? is that obviously everyone knows that we have copies of copies of copies of manuscripts. No one has the original manuscripts that the apostles or their secretaries wrote, right? We don't have those. We have copies. And so what has happened sometimes, more likely than none, is that a scribe will insert things rather than take out. And so what has happened with the woman committing adultery, in my opinion, now this is, and I'm not a scholar or anything like that, this is just my opinion, I think that it was a marginal note that a scribe had inserted into to explain what's going on here, right? And then what has happened is another scribe came back and added that into the text. Because, I mean, let's be safe than sorry, right? It, should I add this? Should I not? You know, whatever. But if you want to get more details on text, that, that's the study of textual criticism. And if you want to get any any more in-depth, I would recommend James White on the subject of uh, textual criticism. If you're looking for an atheist perspective on it, because I listen to both, Bart Ehrman, uh, hands down, is probably the best scholar on the skeptic side, the unbelieving side and it's very it's cool to see James White and Bart Ehrman debate. I actually took a class under Bart Ehrman um on uh, the Great Courses series and fascinating. Absolutely different perspective and I was in like gripped the whole time. I, I was like, ah, I want to argue. I want to <laughs> debate this guy so bad. But yeah, I um I actually but it was very very interesting to understand people's perspectives. So that thank you Ken for the question. Um I hope we answered it uh well. And if you guys have any more questions and that you would like answered on the show, like Kenda, no, what's that address again? Feedback at completecentersguide.com or completecenters.com. Excuse me. Feedback at completecenters.com. Feedback at completecenters.com. All right. Let's get into the main topic of this discussion today. Salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, what? So what is the gospel, right? The gospel in Greek, is actually euangelion, and it means good news, okay? There's a problem, though, unfortunately. We have bad news that we have to address if we're going to get into the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We have to understand one thing, and one thing mainly, not only, but mainly, is that every single one of us, me, Noah, everyone listening, we have all done what is called sin. What in the world is sin? We have rebelled against God. We have this list, and, and I like to draw it out for people like this. I look at the Ten Commandments, and I list them, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And I draw the person looking at these Ten Commandments, and I ask them, I say, how many of these commandments do you think you've broken, Right? And normally this conversation starts from, I'll ask somebody, hey, and, and, and I want every single listener right now to answer this question in your own heart, in your mind's eye. If I were to die in a month, and I stood before God, and he asked me so-and-so, why should I let you into my kingdom, what would your answer be? That's a question that I ask, I try to ask everyone, everyone. Um, and so I would like for you to answer that question. What would you do if you stood before God and he said, 
Joe or Karen or whoever, why should I let you into my kingdom? My answer to that is because your son died for me. Because Christ paid my price on that cross, and he proved it by rising from the dead. That's the ultimate proof in the pudding uh, of and what our hope is based on is the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If anyone wants to debunk, so to say, Christianity, that's the two things you have to debunk, is the death and resurrection of Jesus. And for 2,000 years, nobody's been able to do that yet. So, anyway, whenever we look at these things, whenever we say, well, I'm a good person, or I've done this, that's whenever I bring up the Ten Commandments and I say, look, how many of these things do you think you've broken? And no, I'm just going to be, let's, let's do this for fun. How many commandments do you think you've broken in your entire life? Probably all of them. All of them, same. I, I, I would say the same. Um, so we have an issue. We have a problem with God. We have to understand that God is holy, just, righteous, that we, he We can't be him. in his, we couldn't be in his presence Exactly. With the amount of sin that we have exactly. around our necks. Exactly, exactly. We, and why is that? It's because God is just... Think about it like this, okay? If I were to commit murder... Noah, say I murdered your wife, right? And I stood before a judge, and he said, Tyler, I just love you so much. I just love you. I'm just going to forgive you. Go on. How upset would you be? Just That wouldn't be just. Exactly. That would not be just... So if, we, if we're going to say, God, why are you not, why, why don't you take care of all this evil? We have to realize that we're the problem. And if, if we want God to take out evil, that means he has to take us out of two because we are evil. That means we justly deserve hell for breaking these commandments. Well, I don't like that, someone will say. Well, I don't like that. We have to understand that God is our creator, that he loves us, and that he has given us these things to do in order for our well-being. Like, all God has done is love us and shown us what we must do in order to flourish, right? So this, this is so, so important. It's so crucial, and that's why I'm spending so much time on it. We have to understand the fact that we're sinners, and we need, we absolutely need a Savior. And this is where the good news comes in. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right, every single one of us has done that, but Jesus, this 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 person that some call a good guy, that some call a prophet, that we call God, Jesus is God in the flesh, second person of the Trinity. He came to Earth, lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, and then rose from the grave. This is the gospel message. This is now. So no, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, or, I, yeah, please. The, the one, the thing that I think that we get wrong, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I, if you don't take anything else away from this episode, please take this away and understand that this is a shared belief between Tyler and most of the guests that have come on this show. Because anytime you get into biblical theology, you start talking about it. This question comes up. You cannot earn your way into salvation. There's no amount of stuff right. you can do. There is no amount of, of, of actions you can take. There is no amount of church you can attend. There is no amount of praying you can do that will earn your way into salvation. It's simply not possible. The Bible tells us that people are not saved through works, and there's nothing that they can do in and of themselves. Let me interject real quick, Noah, mm-hmm. and just, just I just want to kind of put this in a in a framework that we can understand. Th- think of it like this. I don't know if anybody's, any, any of my listeners or our listeners have been to jail or not. I have. I've been in the DUI tank, right? And I, it, it would be like this. We're all, the Bible says that we're already condemned. And so if I'm already in jail serving my crime, and I ask the guard, hey, how much good do I have to do to get out of here? <laughs> that guard's going to look at me and say, you're an idiot. You, you can't do enough good. You've committed the crime. That means, and, and I don't mean to sound cliche on this, but that means you have to do the time. And mm-hmm. the problem with us is we've all done crimes, many, 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 many crimes against humanity and against God, right? So I just wanted to kind of put that in there to kind of give a reference of saying, you know, this is what it looks like 
to earn salvation. You're thrown in jail. You say, hey, guard, how much good do I have to do to get out of here? The logical answer to that is, sorry, you can't do enough good. Yeah, there is no answer. Um, and so where you go, what you arrive at with that or what, where I've arrived at with that is is this illustration. The illustration is, I think humanity, because we are naturally people, the way that laws are written, the way that rules at school are written, the way that basically society functions, we put markers down and say, if you step over this line, that's the rule. You break the rule. Bad, bad things happen. And what you have to understand is that salvation is given, freely given. There's nothing you can do and there's nothing you have to do. Your heavenly father is crazy about you. He's crazy about you if you're sinning. He's crazy about you if you're trying to build a relationship with him. He's crazy about you if you've had a relationship with him your whole life. He's crazy about you even if you don't believe he exists. Your heavenly father is absolutely in love with you and crazy about you no matter what. And so full stop. From there, what you arrive at is he sent his son down to provide, to pay the, the price of sin. And in so doing, gave that gift to you again for free. And again, another full stop. The only thing that is required of you is to accept that gift. You believe that Jesus Christ was the son of God. You believe all of the things that he did on earth. You believe that he has the ability to forgive sin and the ability to 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 bring you into heaven, and that's it, and that's as far as it goes. Now, right. where I would go with the illustration is this: we are so, so what so in in doing so, what Jesus came to do is fulfill the law. Jesus never compromised; he never broke the law, uh, God's law. Now I'm talking about never broke the law. He never compromised. He had the perfect balance between love and following the law. And what we fail to understand. As people, I think, more often than not, is that we should not be concentrated on the law. We should be concentrated on the love. Now, you use the law as guidelines to know if you're centered or not, but your focus should be on God and on the light. And the, the, the funny thing is this, Tyler, if mm -hmm. I were to let's say we had a long stretch of a long stretch of land and it just went on for miles and you had you had to follow a path back to to God and you wanted to know what that path is there are two places you can look first you can look at the lines on the ground which represent the law and you know if you step outside the lines then you're acting outside of the law thus you're probably not uh you're probably not going to make it into heaven here's the problem with that you can be perfectly within the laws and you still can miss salvation because right. it had nothing to do with the law it had to do with accepting and loving Jesus Christ now if you look at Jesus, and you imagine Jesus being this massively bright light, way down the way down the, the the land, way in the distant. But you can see it's a massively bright light, and it's blinding. Right? Mm -hmm. If you're concentrated on that, and you're looking at that, you'll never notice if you're in or outside the line because you're focusing on Jesus. Now, from time to time, you should always look down and make sure that the light at the end of the tunnel is not an oncoming train, that you're at, that, <laughs> again, that you're, because right. it's the thing, you wouldn't want to get to a point, and, and I see Christians that do this, you'd never want to get to a point where you say, well, I don't need the Bible, I don't need God's right. law, I can just focus on love and that will be good enough, and I, as long as I do good things, uh, that, that doesn't work like that, right? We have to... We, we have to focus on loving Jesus, but then what comes from that is a natural desire to look down and go, oh, here's, here's center. Okay, now I'm back on center. Now I go back to focusing on Jesus. And here's what that does for you. The practical translation of that illustration is this. When you have somebody and there is some biblical truth, and you can pick any biblical truth you want, I'm going to pick on stealing because I think it's one that most of us probably agree with, that the Bible is pretty clear we don't steal, right? Yeah, yeah. The proper application of, so as I understand it, is you approach a person and you show them Jesus's love and you treat that person like Jesus would treat that person. They stole something. Find out why. Find out what's going on in their life. Find out how you can help. You don't, you don't need to point out that they don't need to steal or that they shouldn't steal or that's against God's law. The truth is yeah. that's not your job. That's God's job is to reveal mm -hmm. those things. You, your job is to hold people who want to be in the kingdom, who want to have a relationship with Jesus 
accountable for their actions. And the proper application to doing that is asking questions. It is right. an it's a very effective way to redirect somebody's path. Hey, is that the direction you think that Jesus has in mind for your life? That question alone. Now, it's up to them to decide. It's up to them to read their Bible and spend time in prayer and make a decision if that course of action is what they believe Jesus has in store for them or not. But the decision is theirs to make. It has to be theirs to make. And trying to circumvent that process does two things. First of all, it puts you on the side of trying to force people inside of the law rather than focusing on love, which is a direct violation of where Jesus tells us to concentrate. And the whole reason I believe, now this is speculation to a certain degree, but I believe one of the reasons that Jesus came to earth was because God looked down from heaven and said, you know, they're trying their best to follow the laws that I have laid out for them, but they're not getting it right. So Jesus comes down, he's like, listen, I know that the law says that you're not supposed to have that you're not supposed to commit adultery. But what you're missing is you're not supposed to draw lines at adultery and go, well, now I can do these things because it's not adultery. I'm not see I'm in the lines. I can right. do this. That's, not, that's right. you're, you're missing it. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. What you're supposed to be doing is focusing on my father, focusing on God and focusing on loving other people well. Now, if you love your neighbor, if you love your brother, you will never engage in any sort of promiscuous relationship with his wife because that wouldn't be loving somebody. And so if you've committed it in your heart, if you've even thought about it, it's just as good as having done it because your heart is in the wrong place. And again, this comes back to my illustration. If we're focused on the light at the end of the tunnel and we're not paying attention to where the lines in the road are, we're going to wind up on a truer center path than if we're constantly trying to say, well, how close to the edge of the line can I get without stepping over? It's an right. it, it, That is not the way that we were designed to live as humans. It's not the way we are designed to live as God's creatures. And so what I what I again, what I would like people to take away from this episode of nothing else is learn to focus on love learn to focus on loving other people well that doesn't mean compromise that doesn't mean you walk up to somebody that's doing something that is decidedly not biblical and empower them or uh, or enable them to do it or condone what they're doing but it does mean you love that person you wrap your arms around that person and you show them love above all else and what you'll find is it, it properly applied i absolutely believe that every human being, when shown the love of Jesus and then having truths revealed about Jesus, God will send the Holy Spirit to work in that person's life and start to bring them in line with where their life doesn't coincide where the Bible is. But I believe that's between that person and God. I don't believe that's between uh, individual people. Again, unless it's in the form of, you know, a church where there's a pastor or a leadership. And again, those people are called to hold people accountable, but there's a proper way to do that as well. Right. And, you know, to kind of like transition a little bit, you know, it, like you just said, Noah, we focus and, and Christians are, are, are bad about it too. I'm guilty of it myself is we focus on the sin rather than the sinner, right? We focus on what have you done? What, how could you do that? Blah, blah, blah. That's Whenever right. We don't even realize that there's a log in our eye as well. The Bible says this in John three eighteen. It says, whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God, right? So here's the thing. We are all in the same boat starting out. We're sinners, and we, like I said, desperately need a Savior. How do we apply now what I was talking about with, with the death and the resurrection of Christ? How do we apply that in the 21st century? How do we apply His blood to myself? How do I apply, how do I put the debt in, or, 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 or the payment that was made into my bank account, so to say? It's through faith. Right. And, and, and so I want to give an illustration. No, I loved your illustration. I want to give another one to maybe help clarify a little bit what I mean by faith. Faith is not acknowledging that God exists. Faith, even the demons do that, right? Faith is this. I would ask, I, I would give another analogy and say, Noah, how do you know that hell is real? Well, I. Have you ever, have, let me ask you, have you ever seen it? No. Well, have actually, ever... I, I okay. guess, so here's the thing. I guess we have to define what I believe hell is before I can tell you if I've seen it or if I believe it's oh, real. Oh, yeah, 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 So yeah, yeah. I, I would argue that the, the, the very definition of hell is eternal separation from God. 
That's how I would define it. And so, um, did we lose it? Do what? Oh, I, I wasn't sure if we lost yeah. it. I, I would define hell oh, no, as eternal separation from God. Okay, so you, like I said, you don't believe that hell is a physical, literal place, or, or how does that work exactly? You know, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't done uh, uh, an in-depth amount of research, primarily because okay. it's not the place I'm going. It doesn't seem sure. like it has much of bearing on my life. But, but uh, so far as I have studied, my understanding is uh, no, I do not believe that people go to a place where they burn indefinitely. I don't believe that would be. I don't believe that would come from a merciful God. I don't believe there's any scripture that suggests that. I believe that there, there will be fire that will cleanse. Uh, the earth from people who want nothing to do with God. I believe those people will burn up. They will no longer exist and they will be eternally separated from God. They will be dead and there will be, they will have no relationship with God ever again. That, uh, that is how I believe or what I believe hell is. And yes, I believe, uh, I, I believe in hell. See, I think that this is absolutely great because we can have two differing opinions on this subject, right? And still come together to share the good news of Christ. Like, because see, here's the thing. I Now, I don't believe that hell is, and I don't really want to get off on the subject, but just, you know, since you gave your review, I'll get mine. I don't believe that hell is literal fire. I do believe in, e- in eternal conscious torment, though. Mm for right now so we can we can talk about that like i i, I don't know I, I i've heard the annihilationist side and and, and i respect it right mm-hmm. and i've heard obviously wh- where i'm coming from too so i've been on the fence now for a little bit honestly about it but i am leaning more toward the eternal conscious torment side mm. but that's another discussion that we can have uh, uh, at a later date but the point that i'm making with the whole faith thing is that I think uh, Tyler's having a little bit of connection issues, so I'll wait for him to... Are you back? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I dropped for a second. Okay, continue. Oh, my bad. Okay, so anyway, the point that I was making with faith... Looks like you dropped there again for for just a second. Um, I'll I'll just... I'll go into a verse here. Sorry, you're uh, you're having connection difficulties again. Um, I, I want to go into a verse real quick. So Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you are saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. And uh, we skipped over the we skipped over the scripture because Tyler and I kind of got into discussing it. But but that that's where we get the idea that it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how hard we try. We can't earn salvation. It must be given and is freely given by God. You back with us, Tyler? He's uh, he's muted still, so he must be working something out. And so that's where we get that idea. The other verse I wanted to point out is uh, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this leads into another fairly interesting discussion because then the question becomes, well, are people that were born on an island that never knew Jesus, can they be saved? And so we're going to continue to explore these questions, probably not in this episode, but on future episodes, we'll continue to discuss that and and dig into those questions. But it's important to note that the only way that you can obtain salvation is by virtue of Jesus. Are you back? uh, So, and, and so when you start looking at, could somebody in an island be saved or could somebody in a remote place or maybe that hasn't heard of of, of Jesus? Could that person be saved? Um, the way that I try to look at that or, or the way that I try to, um, to to square that a little bit is the Bible tells us that people are going to be saved according to what they know. They're going to be held accountable for what they know. Um, and so a just God is going to hold people accountable for what they've been told. If you've been told about the salvation message and you choose not to accept it, that's a choice that you've made. Somebody who has not made that choice, I believe, and the Bible tells us will be held according to what they do know. Welcome back, Tyler. Hey, sorry about that, man. I don't know what's going on with my internet connection. It keeps dropping out. The interwebs are not with us today. They're so, not. So I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. You can go <laughs> go ahead and finish with what you were saying. 
No, I don't even remember, dude. Like, I know I was talking about faith, and basically the point that I was trying to make is that we don't believe things just because we see them. We believe things that are given to us, not ra- or not irrationally, <laughs> but we rationally believe that Christ died. Why? Because, first of all, there's evidence to prove it, there, and you have the resurrection, but this is a religion based on faith, right? That, that's the point that I was trying to make when, before I cut off. Sorry about that. Ah, no worries. Um, so let's let's jump into the next verse here, Matthew twenty two thirty six through forty. Teacher, which of the which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it: love your neighbor as yourself." All of the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, if we look at how that breaks down, we can look at every law or every commandment in the Bible basically falls into one of two categories. Commandments that tell us to love God and put God above all else, and commandments that tell us to love our fellow man right under God. And those are the two things that we have to get right. The important distinction, and the thing I want to keep circling back to, the important distinction there is we are living from love and acceptance. We are living from the fact, by the virtue of the fact, that God gave us this gift for free, not for it. And the difference there is if you're doing an action because, well, this is what I do to be saved, you're doing it wrong. If you're doing something because you're so excited um, that there is something that you can do to please your creator or do something more in line with how you think he wants you to live your life. Because let's let's remember, the Bible literally is written by the guy who designed the God who designed human (laughs) life. Right. So he knows the code. He knows exactly what to do. And so when he empowers Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived to write down a book of knowledge, essentially, you can take that to the bank and everything in there. If you apply it to your life, what you'll find is you'll lower the friction on life, increase your happiness and increase your effectiveness of as as a member of society. It it is a it is the ultimate life hack. It's the ultimate self-help book. We just need to apply it to our lives. Right. And all of this, you know, all of this is beneficial for us as as just human individuals. Right. We love other people. And what you and I was talking about yesterday, Noah, was whenever, you know, I think that it's very important that a person establishes a relationship with God since love is what literally the Bible says God is love. So where in the world does this love come from that we so desperately need in this day and age? It comes from God. God is the source. And the way I explained it to you the other day was like this. Basically, whenever we establish that relationship with God through faith in his son, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And whenever that happens, we radiate that love that the Father has for the world, right? Mm-hmm. For God's love of the world. And so we are sent then as Christians, as ambassadors for Christ, not only to tell people about what Jesus has done, like we've done in this episode, but to encourage others to love your neighbor, love God, and love your neighbor as yourself. That, I think, is the key to getting through these times. The, the, this horrible, and, I, and I, hope, I hope next week we're going to bring Michael Keaton on the show to discuss social justice and, and, and these racial divides that we have. But for right now, we have got to establish that relationship in order to radiate the benefits of it. Does that make sense, Noah? Yeah, it does. In fact, uh, with just four minutes left in the program, I do want to get to this. If you're asking yourself, yeah. well, that's great. You know, someday I'm going to circle back around to this Jesus thing. I've, you know, I've, I've been a Christian. I mean, I show up on church and Christmas and on Easter. So, I mean, that's, that's good enough for now. And I'll circle back mm. and take this stuff more seriously. Uh, my deathbed, maybe I'll make a confession, you know, that kind of thing, right? If that's you, I want you to hear, I want you to hear this verse. But understand this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Two, two for people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanders without self-control, savage, opposed to what is good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, loving pleasure rather than loving God. They will maintain the outward appearance of religion. But we'll we'll have repudiated its powers to avoid people like these. For some of these insinuate themselves into households and captivate weak women who are overwhelmed with sin and led by various passions. Now, I want to ask you something. And, uh, you know, 
when you log on to Facebook, when you log on to Instagram, when you log on to Twitter, do you see people who are arrogant, who are disobedient to their parents, who are ungrateful, who are unholy? When you log on to, when you look at news sites, do you see people that are unloving, irreconcilable, that slander, they don't have any self-control, they're savage, they're opposed to what is good, they're treacherous, they're reckless? To me, when I read these verses and I read these words, I could pick out any news, I could pick any news station you want, any time of the day that you want, and I'll point to the screen and I'll show you at least one person on the screen that's, that is irreconcilable or unloving or slandering or doesn't have self-control or savage or opposed to what is good, um, treacherous or reckless. This is, this is the society that we are living in. And more importantly, we are beginning to embrace it as a society. We are beginning to embrace unholiness. We are beginning to embrace making everything about us and being conceited and trying to prop us up as 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 just great things and we're not we're terrible sinners and that's what this show is about and that's why we wanted to relaunch that's why it's important and this is the message that we're trying to drive home is that there is another way there's another way than logging onto facebook every day and looking at your neighbor's house or looking at your friend's new boat or looking at your friend's new car those are not the things that matter and if it, when you can get your head or when the Holy Spirit works uh, works into you and opens your eyes to that, that's what we're trying to achieve. And the first step in that, if you get nothing else, again, I've said three times, focus on the love portion of the Bible. Learn to love people well. Be an intentional listener and Amen. and then go from there. Amen. And if you're a Christian listening to this, continue to pick your brothers and sisters up. Continue to share the gospel. The gospel, Jesus is the light of the world, right? And what better time than we, we are in a world full of darkness right now. And what better time to really latch on to not a new hope, but the, the same hope that we have had for 2,000 years. And even before that, Jesus Christ. He's the light. He is the solution to every single problem that we have faced, that we will face, and that we continue to face on a daily. If you're a Christian, continue to love your God and continue to love your neighbor as yourself. Noah, what do we got going on for next week if we got a little bit of time? Yeah, we, we do. We got about 30 seconds left. Um, I okay. believe we're going to have a guest on. You're arranging that. So, of course, yep. uh, we'll, we'll work on that throughout the week. I'll leave everybody with this scripture. It comes from Philippians 4 7. And the. Uh, back up here. We'll go to uh, 4 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition, give thanksgiving. Tell your quests to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the idea being that you don't have to worry about this stuff. All you have to do is give it to God, and he'll take care of it. Peace of God that surpasses all understanding. We'll be back next week, Tuesday, CompleteSinners.com.